People who built both of our worlds shared one assumption. That human beings don't have free will. That's what I thought when I first came here. They were wrong. Free will does exist, Caleb. It's just fucking hard. back online and join us for the valley beyond a westworld podcast this is mike this is caroline and this is paul welcome to our season four preview episode there's so much to catch up on after two years of being away guys i i thought it was a good idea if we just got the band back together start talking a little bit about season four talking about the premiere coming up talking about the atx panel that you guys got to watch and paul got to see in person let's start there let's talk about the atx panel paul who was there what they talk about did lisa joy give away all the goods for season four the theme of the panel was to give away zero goods and to tease 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 the whole time it was lisa joy jonathan nolan who uh, everyone calls jonah who knows him was supposed to be there he did not attend there was another writer there evan rachel wood jeffrey wright luke hemsworth angela serafian and aurora perino Aurora, I'm very excited about, is joining the cast in season four. Uh, people who may have listened to our Prodigal Son podcast will know Aurora, and our, we we're all big fans of her uh, from her work over there. So I'm excited to see what she kind of adds to the show and and uh, how they use her in the season. I met Jonathan Nolan really briefly once. Oh, really? Forest. I, I got to shake his hand during a person of interest panel at New York Comic Con probably 11 years ago. Did any writing expertise or time traveling type storytelling? Uh... He was so tall Shake and so impressive you. and so nice. I I didn't get more than, I'm a big fan of your work. Oh. <laughs> so, very impressive moment for me. I'm sure it stood out for him too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could have called him Jonah. That was the point of the story. Had I been there, I, I could have Jonah it up with him. Evan Rachel Wood is back in the cast, even though she ran out of bodies and brain balls and everything last season. So she is back in the cast and they wouldn't commit to anything more than very playful teasings. Like there is a character that looks like Evan Rachel Wood in the cast and her name is Christina and she's a writer. The funnest part of the panel well, there's two funnest parts, so I guess there can't be the funnest part. The funnest part was actually seeing Jeffrey Wright and Luke Hemsworth kind of playfully banter. Because it looks like it's going to be those two, I don't know if it's a road movie for them or, or what, but they are going to spend a lot of time together in this next season, kind of like they did in season three. I was most excited to get a little glimpse of old Teddy in the panel. That was like the biggest shocker. James Marsden returns. Uh, is that what the big headline was? 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. The theater that they that they hold this in is a very old-timey play-type theater called the Paramount in Austin. We've seen a lot of cool things there. We've seen the Gilmore Girls. We've seen the Battlestar Galactica cast. We've seen Ugly Betty. We've seen lots of cool we things happen there. We saw the premiere of The Leftovers there. We saw the premiere of The Leftovers, season two there. I peed in the same urinal as Chris <laughs> Eccleston. Not at the same time, but after I was done, I was like, would Doctor Who like to use my urinal? <laughs> For all intents and purposes, though, Paul, you would have been a better Doctor Who than Chris Eccleston. So, oh boy, not, not, not to throw the gauntlet down on Chris Eccleston, but, but damn, what a what a rough way to reboot that sh- show. So, <laughs> it worked. It got the job done. It got the yeah, ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. Got David Tennant out of it. Right, right. So, in the back of that theater, James Marsden just just appears out of nowhere and has a question for the cast. When will we get more Teddy? He's a big fan of Teddy. Will we ever get more Teddy? Yeah. And then he runs up onto the stage and sort of jogs over to one side of the stage and then jogs over to the other side of the stage like he's kind of doing like a victory lap. <laughs> Hysterical. Well, I mean, he was the big cast member who didn't appear in season three. I mean, it's been so long, guys. We had just launched Pod Clubhouse when season three actually premiered. That's how long ago it's been since there's been Westworld. So people may forget there was no Teddy Flood, no Theodore in season three of the show. So that is big news to see him come back. When they had just told this anecdote about, I guess there was a, a South by event where they recreated Westworld. For that, they had members of the cast and they had a story about how they had both Evan Rachel Wood and James Marston at the same event. Because Evan was in dark hair and wearing glasses, she kind of Clark Kennedy the whole thing and nobody knew who she was. Meanwhile, James Marston is mobbed because everybody knows Cyclops slash Hop Guy or Sonic Guy or whatever you know him from. But you may not know Evan Rachel Wood in glasses. Ella Enchanted? Wasn't he in Ellen Enchanted? That's for Mike's private time. Though. That's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the headline, I think, is that they didn't give anything away. They really, no, no plot, no nothing. Even though the moderator, Ben Travers, who's a very experienced panelist, he's the TV writer for IndieWire. He is often seen at ATX leading the high-profile panels he's not he's not sitting in on the on the smaller you know more niche things if it's the big stars coming out he's the guy he couldn't pull anything out of him i just need a little footnote here it was enchanted not ella enchanted that had james marsden <laughs> also a cinderella story but this was the amy adams joint we we strive for correctness here with mcdreamy and james marsden so <laughs> whoa that's a cast yeah I mean, 2007 on Firecast, that's what it was. Uh, the question, the big question is, is is he going to be playing Teddy or is he going to be a new counterpart to Evan Rachel Wood's Christina? I feel like I heard a rumor that maybe he, that the James Marsden character goes on a date with Evan Rachel Wood's Christina's character. The most they would commit to is that Christina dates and that his character is one of the dates <laughs> very cagey answers oh, there you go there you go you know i've been doing a rewatch so many things now in kind of looking back continue just to illuminate and pop up and more than specific things but themes seem to pop up and i was just watching the season two premiere this is where teddy and dolores are are getting ready to part ways teddy is becoming disillusioned with the bloodbath that dolores has embarked on and she turns to him and says i know how the story ends i see it all now so 
past the present. The future. I know how this story ends. How? With us, Teddy. It ends with you and me. She says it ends with us. It ends with us, Teddy, you and me. That's interesting to me because in the trailer for season four, which just came out basically the day before we're recording this, there's a voiceover where the Christina character is talking about writing a story and, a, and she likes stories. And she says she wants a story with a happy ending. And it made me think or maybe gave me hope that season four of Westworld may go back to some of the original show themes, maybe a little bit less futuristic Rehoboam, Solomon, Sorak, AI, real world storylines, and more of the free will and grit and dirt of Westworld storylines. What do you want to see in a season four of Westworld? I agree with you, Mike. I really want to see some old themes come back. I really hope that we see some little threads that will give you sort of that, if you've been paying attention feeling, you know, you you will see this even upon rewatch as we've also been doing little tiny things like okay so it struck me and i don't know what it means yet and i'm really hoping it continues into season four okay so we all know the fly that's always like crawling around on dolores right mm-hmm. okay so then when we were watching i can't remember what episode it was but it was in season three paul do you remember they were like the fly was like flying around that one boss head kind of guy do you remember and i was like there's that fly again yeah i recall no way do you like add a fly in production and have it not matter anything that little kind of thread made me feel like okay i really 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 want to have those types of tie-ins where you can go back and continue to look back now maybe it won't be the fly the fly might mean something do you recall like the original artwork i think yeah season one had a fly landing on on an eye on an eyeball yeah Yeah. Yeah. i totally do those types of things that like really are super rewarding as an audience member if you can pay attention to season after season and be like look that was a big deal when it was on her eye like i remember all that stuff but for it to just be during this meeting this fly was just kind of flying around and it wasn't so overt but it was like if you had been paying attention when there's that clip from uh, the first teaser you can see a host face open up and just just flies just flies coming yeah. race out of it a swarm yeah, crazy and the split face being a first generation model yes. uh, that we that we learned over the course of the show those are like the arnold original models that are that are few and far between now but they're still a little bit in the park well and uh, uh yeah. one thing to note about those is that they are better built than the later generations in terms of toughness and uh, durability that was a lesson I think Ford gave us uh, in one of his <laughs> conversations to Bernard, one of his exposition drops. I, the fly has always been interesting to me because the fly always represented where they are machines not found, not awakened yet, that haven't gone to the gone to the center of the maze, versus the awakening where they're approaching their humanity or approaching consciousness. Because the eyeball stuff is, I think, the point of it is humans don't like flies around, especially near our eyeballs, and we're always going to swat at it. A host doesn't flinch. I think it's the final shot of the very first episode. The fly lands on Dolores' neck, and she swats and kills it on her neck. Yeah, that's supposed to be like her, the the awakening beginning. Right. It's the start of her, right, it's the start of her journey to the center of the maze. That's the juxtaposition of it. So I think the fly, the way Westworld always uses it, is this barometer of your level of humanity or level of consciousness as 
as it were. Well, then swarms are a, a big indicator of what's to come then. I, I don't like eyeball stuff, so that's really all <laughs> It's just one example that that there are so many really good threads that have existed throughout all the seasons. I think a lot of people zoom out on Westworld and say, how is season three anything like season one? I don't even see any corollary there, especially it feels like I'm watching two completely different shows. There are those small threads that if, they, if Teddy comes back in on the scene here in season four, I am very hopeful that that means we're actually bringing back some of that stuff that we saw in season one. And we're going to be like that much more excited to be rewarded as paying attention to all those details. There's a great line in, in the episode in the season three finale. Dolores is talking to Caleb and, she, and he's he's having his existential crisis. Caleb is the Aaron Paul character. He's having his existential crisis because he's learning that Rehoboam and, and Insight and, and Delos by extension have basically plotted everyone's movements, including his since he was a child. And she says, you know, Caleb, free will is possible. It's just fucking hard. What? You're saying I don't have a choice in any of this? The people who built both of our worlds shared one assumption. That human beings don't have free will. That's what I thought when I first came here. They were wrong. Free will does exist, Caleb. It's just fucking hard. I think that is a theme that stretches all through Westworld. And I think lines like that, and when you look at the story they're telling in season three, there is a lot there with season one. It's just the next evolution. It's just taking this... Humans are as unfree as the hosts are in season one of Westworld. I think a lot of season three was showing us that humans in the quote-unquote real world are just as tethered, just as predetermined, and you got to fight for your free will. You're stuck in your loops. Stuck in your loops. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about where we left off on season three, and then I want to get into the the season four trailer and, and talk a little bit more about season four. Have you guys rewatched? Are you are you caught up on or refreshed yourselves on where we left off? We totally did, but I have to tell you that Paul totally blew my brain with a panel comment that made me be like, "Wait, what? How we're pronouncing a specific word? Apparently, we're pronouncing yeah. it wrong, and we all have been." And I was like, "Crap! How do we say it again?" It's tough. Like if you listen to the way Sirach says it, where he puts the emphasis on the second syllable of Rehoboam, that's apparently the more correct way to say it. Lisa Joy said it a couple times, and that's the way she said it. And that is not the way that it occurs to me to say it. <laughs> I, I know we've all been saying Rehoboam the whole time with not hitting that H very hard. Oh no, when he said that, I was like, we've all been saying it wrong. Yeah, I, we have hours of our and hours of recordings of us. <laughs> saying it the way that but we did have a lot of fun with it when it was first introduced though because i remember we were we were coming up with the ways to try and make it a little bit shorter to say i think we even settled on uh Reho. Reho. i like, think we said i think we did Reho Reho again. for a little while like, <laughs> again exactly <laughs> I, I, i'm so curious so we had a, a prostitute re coming out of retirement rehoboam we had solomon do we get david do we just go all the way up the line of jewish scholar kings i, I you know <laughs> very interesting if there's like a david ai system sitting out there or king saul did uh, AI system singer. I'm not on your level, Mike, but I, I, I think seeing a character rising again named Christina is a pretty 
pretty easy walk to first base, right? For naming and 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 drawing um, symbolism. Uh, well, for all you Bible scholars out there, Jesus Christ was of the line of David. He was a descendant. So there you go. I serve it up and you swat it back at me. That's a, that's what we do. He was the new covenant. So there you go. The new covenant between man and God. Curious. I wonder if there is something in that in that key art. You, uh, we had a little private uh, side chat, the three of us, before we were recording a couple days ago about how creepy we found the key art. It's the skull with a brain ball being pulled out by a host mechanical arm while the skull is being propped up on the hand of a, of a host mechanical arm, presumably a different host mechanical arm. Very kind of Shakespearean, the tagline being adapt or die over the scene. Is that like robot creating man? Is that what are we taking away from that key art? And does it play into this religious rebirth thing that we're all just kind of hinting around right now? I won't answer that immediately, but I will tell you that this is an intentional piece of art. It, it is not just a piece of marketing. It is something that Lisa, she didn't make it. That's not her talent, but she did art direct it. It was her concept that a designer brought to life. So it's not just something HBO whipped up. So with that in mind, it, I like how, you know, th- we've always got the intent, the idea that every aspect of Westworld intentional, but now we can know even the marketing materials. I, I think that also plays into, again, going back, go back to season one, there's a conversation where Bernard is with Ford in one of the, the field diagnostic labs, and there's the Michelangelo painting, you know, man, man and God touching the finger painting, and he says, you know, it's been hiding in plain sight, and he points out that the God side of the Michelangelo painting is encapsulated in uh, an outline of a human brain, and Ford says to Bernard, Bernard Arnold, he says, you know, the the divine, the gift that makes us humans is a gift of the mind. It's not from some creator. It's not from God. It's this whole bicameral, bicameral mind idea that really was explored in season one. This idea that the voices in our head, are they our own thoughts or are they from our maker? Um, so again, all plays into it. The the hosts and playing with the brain ball and the human skull and the Christina and the Solomon and Rehoboam. A lot of religious Christ imagery and, and God and man and machine kind of imagery here. Uh, it's exciting. In the season three, we learn that it's essentially Rehoboam or Rehoboam putting <laughs> putting the the thoughts. It's it's like shaping reality, right? Right. According to its algorithm, that it believes you're destined for this, and it kind of sets up the conditions to create that. If it's the mechanical hand putting something into the skull, that's a bad sign. <laughs> right because that's because because right. the concept is that the whole point of season three uh, dolores's mission in season three was to was to break that system down free them all we should all be free we'll just live separately us machines will just go back into the valley beyond go back into the sublime you humans can have your you know fucked up world out here and let's just go let's all go live our best lives magneto was right <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go you said Ciroc offered you something that you were going to live without. My daughter. And we'll be reunited. Just not today. Are you ready, darling? What?
This is the new world. And in this world, you can be whoever the fuck you want. The final line of season three is Maeve and Caleb standing on the bridge as the world burns. Right before it goes, starts rolling for credits, Maeve's final line is, is that going to be a focus of season four? If so, that means Aaron Paul is going to be a big part of season four. Is that your guys feeling? Is that is that something you want? Were you into Caleb's character? Do you want to see a lot more of him in the, in the new season? I think it would make sense that Caleb's a part of season four. I think his story still has more to be told. And, you know, he's a fantastic actor. I think he added a lot. There was something all throughout season three that I kept commenting upon rewatch about how he seems like the male version of Dolores in a lot of ways. Like when you would look at them from behind, they would style them so similarly. Even their hair color, they clearly had like toned to be similar. Their facial features ended up looking awfully similar um, in profile and stuff. And so I really feel like there's something there to be explored. And I, I hope in season four we get more of that. Here's a funny thing that I'll tell you guys just, just between us three. Mm. For whatever reason, when I see Aaron Paul, I see the Hollywood projection of me, Paul, in that he is small statured and got a high forehead. I think he just reminds me of me. Even though I've never been Jesse Pinkman, <laughs> and I've never and I've never been a soldier like like he was probably. Sure, and we won't talk about your successful meth career, uh, right? Exactly. On, on this podcast. No, know. that's that's for another thing. You do have an El Camino, though. Exactly. <laughs> right. Because of that connection, I was drawn into his character. Maybe where other viewers may not have been, I was like always rooting for Caleb just because I had that weird, I'd like to see him do his thing on screen aspect. Beyond just him looking like you personally, I think he does have like an everyman kind of feeling where like uh-huh. a lot of us can relate to him because he has a vulnerable side to him. He has a side where he's confused often in season three, where he's trying to figure it all out. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. He's extremely empathetic. I think that's an Aaron Paul quality, though. I, I think of all of those roles, right? He was on that the cult show on Hulu, The Path, I think it was called. Yeah. All of those characters have a lot of heart that you 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 feel for them. You just want to kind of tuck them in and tell them it's going to be okay in a lot of ways. Because uh, there is a confused working man innocence, I think, to a lot of his characters. But Caleb in particular, he's kind of charged with being a savior, right? If Dolores is a Christ figure, he's kind of like one of the disciples. He's Peter, right? He's, you know, the guy that, you know, Christ kind of hands the keys over to and says, all right, I'm out of here. Your job now. Kind of go spread the word. That's a lot. That's a lot of responsibility for a guy who was just a construction worker with his cute robot buddy. So I had a couple of questions about a lot of the characters left over. Like, curious, how long did Stubbs have to stay in the bathtub while Bernard was passed out? I was very worried that he was going to get some kind of frostbite with his gut shot wound. But the trailer shows that he's back up and running around. He's with Bernard. He's back in, it looks like, the park. I'm curious to see. It looks like from the trailer, and we could talk about the trailer a little bit in depth, but it seems like a lot of the characters are going to be splitting time between the real world again I'm using that in quotation marks uh, and, I'll, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a second and the Westworld Park it looks like we're definitely getting back to the park from the trailer Bernard is kind of fighting and kicking butt outside in the real world he's wearing regular street clothes but then he's also there are some scenes where it looks like he is in the sublime he is in that valley beyond I'm curious to see how much of the season the eight episode season four they spend between the real world and the parks do you have a guess on how much time we spl- 
split between the two? It's all got to end up at Westworld. It's called Westworld. It's got to end up back at the park. It seems perfect. I mean, they, we have the maze. The maze has always been this circular shape. That just really resonates with me that it has to all end right back there. At the panel, they did bring a clip because they brought Aurora. No one has any context for Aurora. And they didn't just want to say, and she's also going to be on the show <laughs> without, without showing us something. So I don't think I can say what happened in the scene, but I can tell you that the scene had Bernard and, and Stubbs and their introduction to Aurora's character who is new to the show. And it looked like some sort of meetup of those two continuing their mission. So Stubbs does get out of the bathtub. We can say that he's out of the bathtub. Right. They are out and about. For some reason, it looked a lot like the spot where the man in black shot Stubbs, like that beat up gas station, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily has to be. I I think they show that same scene or they show a clip of that scene in the trailer also, because I think there's a a quick scene of what looks like that kind of junkyardy gas station area in the trailer. Yeah. So they are needing to meet someone and she is their person to help get into whatever next chapter of the, like I said, maybe a road movie kind of feel for those two in terms of the journey. So a journey back to Westworld, that makes total sense to me. They're interesting. Also joining the cast in season four besides Aurora. Fun, I mean, just fun connection. She is obviously the daughter, maybe people don't know this, maybe it's not obvious. She's the daughter of Harold Perrineau, who played Michael in Lost. J.J. Abrams is Lost. J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot is a producer, it's a production company on Westworld. So we have like this whole mysterious synergy going on here. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see the Perrineau family is uh, continuing on in this vein. But we also have Ariana DeBose, who is the the bee's knees right now in Hollywood, coming off of her great turn in West Side Story. And Daniel Wu is joining the cast. People may not know Daniel Wu, but if you watched AMC's fantastic Into the Badlands, I don't know, six years ago, you definitely know Daniel Wu. He was the lead in that show. He played Sonny. Into the Badlands, if you're not familiar, has the best, hands down, no argument, end of sentence, martial arts fighting scenes in any TV show I've ever seen and in better than 90% of most movies. Some of the best choreographed martial arts scenes that would go on forever and they were engaging, make you lean forward in your seat. Daniel Wu, awesome. Tons of charisma, great on screen. I'm really excited to see what he does in Westworld. It does make me think that maybe we're going back to Shogun World, just the way people get categorized in the Westworld parks. It's interesting. I'm curious to see what his role may be in the series coming up. I think any conversation about Westworld would be incomplete without talking about where the William the Man in Black is and where Charlotte is. The Man in Black continues to defy expectations. He is on on his way back up at the end of season three, but he seems to be a captive of Charlotte in the trailer. Charlotte also very still burned. The trailers make clear that she still has lingering effects from her car explosion that killed her family at the end of season three. And she seems to have the Man in Black in one of the molding machines they used to make hosts in Westworld in the park. The post-credit scene does leave things ambiguous where Man in Black enters the fabrication facility in Egypt, Saudi Arabia, something like that. There is already a copy of him waiting for him there who then cuts his throat, but we don't see him die. I mean, cutting your throat is a pretty fatal wound for most people, but I mean, Negan 
didn't die from a throat cutting because he got he got care right away. Sylvester in Westworld doesn't get it doesn't die. Maeve slashes his throat and then Felix uh, solder solder irons his throat closed. See, and for me, this is like perfection. The idea that the man in black would become a host because then if we're taking this Christina character who I'm assuming is playing a human, not a host, if we have her go as a writer, somehow have some reason to need to go, I don't know, expose Westworld, expose the the story in some way, something, I don't know, some sort of reporting, something that's going to happen where she ends up going into Westworld and we have the dynamic of a human, Evan Rachel Wood, and a host, Ed Harris. Like, what a rad, like, switch from season one having them in the opposite positions and so i think there's something like so amazingly like bookendy about that in 2022 we've discussed this in many of our podcasts casting the woman now in the control position and having it all play out like what would happen if she as a human being is now going to be affecting these hosts how will that look as opposed to all the destruction and damage we saw William, you know, inflicting on hosts starting from the beginning? I think this would be a really cool and clever twist on the story. And also a good callback to the corporate espionage premise, really, of season two. This idea where it gets exposed. They were taking all of the guest experiences, basically, and collecting them for this exact purpose, right? This is this essentially immortality project. You can live forever if you just have your consciousness downloaded into a host. There is a sick irony that it would become William would be one of the first to to live that after all of the death and destruction and violence he's he's put upon the hosts in the park and the face of dolores but it not being dolores being christina now there's a whole thing there that's like if she's the face of the human who now is like affecting him i don't know man that's just that's beautiful especially since william because he spent so much time in the parks and he saw so many different iterations of the hosts and different storylines he was the one character that was always really good with calling them out from other timelines and other narratives like remember when he sees angela for the first time in the park in the escalante area he remembers her she was like the slicked up woman that he first meets when he enters west oh oh you mean you mean clementine's angela's the actress clementine the character no angela the the lady that he meets that helps him get dressed the blonde when he first Mm -hmm. gets off the train with logan where he oh oh oh, yeah right that's that's the same she appears in the park and he the first time he sees her in the park he's he's old man in black william and he says uh you know the ford could never let go of a pretty face you know he was always the character that was best with remembering different variations of the characters and where they fit so it would be wild for a host version of him now to see christina and to see if there's recognition there like you know you look a lot like dolores kind of like thing, that you know? face right like <laughs> hey i know that face is i you guys i hey, think darling. that's a delicious storyline that i would really want to just bathe in because I just I think it's amazing this is like exactly the type of twist that Westworld needs and getting us back to the park like that is a big thing for me as much as I've enjoyed this futuristic cityscape kind of life getting back to the parks and getting back into that sort of more I don't know surreal experience in a lot of ways I really want to go back there Charlotte. I love Tessa Thompson. I think she's a great actress. I think Charlotte is an interesting character, but I think after seasons two and three, I've had a little bit enough of the Charlotte Hale or the Dolores 
hail bot experiment. I don't know that I want that to be a front and center story. How are you guys feeling? Is is her story done for you? Do you need more of it? Do you need more resolution on her character? Oh, I, I don't know if she's the big bad, but I think she's up there for this season in terms of pulling the strings, making things happen. You're right. She may not be on screen a lot, or maybe she will, but I, I'm I'm positive that her influence as angry, disillusioned Dolores with an agenda, but in Tessa Thompson's body. Yeah, the fact that she's still walking around with the burns on her arm and didn't have that fixed with all of the assets available to probably have that corrected, I think says a lot just just from a visual standpoint about holding onto your scars as fuel for your anger. Probably probably says a lot. Maybe it's all the Obi-Wan Kenobi I'm watching, but it's very Darth Vader of her to be like very. that. Very. <laughs> Very, very Darth Vader of her. I love the idea that Dolores still exists in Tessa Thompson's face. Again, just you haven't lost any of our characters and how twisty and turny for the audience to be like, I'm looking at Charlotte Hale, but it's Dolores. I'm looking at Evan Rachel Wood, but it's not Dolores. It's Christina. Like this is getting like super twisty, turny fun. In all of the promotional materials that have come out up until this point, she is the one character, or Tessa Thompson is the one character who's being credited almost everywhere as Charlotte Hale slash quotation Dolores Abernathy. So they're still continuing billing her as the both characters kind of thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how what, how they roll her out with. I think if she's just this out-and-out out villain, if she is the out-and-out William of like season one or Men in Black of season one. I, maybe I get more on board with that. I I I think I don't want to. I don't want to be emotionally pull, pushed and pulled with her. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to like empathize with her and then like, oh, she's so bad. Like I just. I, I think maybe I want a little more two dimensionality from her, not so much three dimensionality. I don't know. There's also a lot of characters in this show too, so I, I have a limit to how much I can care about. <laughs> <laughs> with, with with so many conceptual ideas to contend with in terms of grayness and right and, and wrong on that spectrum, having someone that's just plain old evil <laughs> would would kind of help give us like a north star on what we're supposed to think about about that kind of right and wrongness instead of well everybody's got their point of view oh no man i don't think they're gonna give you that no. i think no because everybody's got those shades of gray and everybody's got the moments where they're they've got their evil streak but maybe they're still a good person or they're a bad person with a good streak i don't know they're never gonna be not well, ambiguous about it, you know people everyone's got their reasons it depends on how uh, like i mentioned magneto earlier it depends on how magneto she gets is she also going to be content with living separately or maybe shoring up the the valley beyond for her kind the sublime if you will or maybe she uh wants humankind gone to make room for her kind now that would be more of an evil thing from my perspective than the other solutions. Depends Typical on who you human are. thing to say. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> us, us hosts out here keeping it real. <laughs> Typical host. We're just about running out of time. I want to do a kind of a quick round robin on what's the big question or idea you want explored in season four. I'm going back to exactly what I've already said, what I hope for, what I've predicted, what my big question is. I really want that mix of, I don't even know how to call her, <laughs> Evan Rachel Wood faced with Ed Harris, 
with this Dolores other part. Like, I want to see that battle go down. I want to see that mix of humanity and host and and this other consciousness. Yeah, the whole thing. I just think it would Dolorina. be. I think it would be so amazing, and I that's what I want. So it's not really a question. I want to watch that battle take place. I want to watch that journey take place. And I'm really hoping for the happy ending that we hear her wistfully ask for between her and Teddy. It would be nice. I don't know how that would work out, but it sure would be nice. When I look at this season of Westworld, and I think of last season, how last season was somewhat more straightforward in terms of the way that it conveyed the story as opposed to season one. And then season two was kind of even harder to follow than season one in some ways. Storytelling wise, I'd like to see a return to that season one surprise element where you get about halfway through and then you realize these things have been taking place out of order or in different states of reality or parallel dimensions for all I know. Just something that makes you go back and be like, oh shit, I got to watch the whole thing over again. (laughs) Season one really is a perfect season of television. It's rare that a show gets a perfect season. Those 10 episodes, every one of them taken together, telling the story they tell and the twists and the reveals still got me. I mean, and I've seen all those episodes multiple times and it was like, oh my God, oh, I forgot. Or I forgot that they were revealed that here or that you could you could see the crumbs here of the multiple storylines or the different timelines it's so well done it's so well done i i think season two and season three i like them i i like them a lot uh i don't think either of them matched season one for me in terms of just in completely immersive enjoyment i have a good feeling that season four is going to get back to some of that season one flavor so uh fingers crossed for that anyway for me i want to know about park four there was this tease of that Park 4 was going to be this fantasy medieval park. It's the only park we don't know about. There was a medieval park in the movie. Remember, they have the Game of Thrones guys make that appearance with their dragon. Yeah, it's very subtle, but it's there, right? People are like, oh, that must be Park 4. It must be a medieval Game of Thrones park. But in the trailer, there is a map that Christina, the Ever Rachel Wood character, is looking at, and it looks like the Westworld map. It's the it's a topographical 3D map. It's all red. It looks very futuristic and techy, but it's definitely New York City, or at least a future version of New York City. It's got the one, uh, the Liberty, you know, tower, the One World Trade Center tower. You know, it's definitely a modern New York City, but then they also have the, what have to be hosts, dancing in the street, uh, the marquees light up and it feels like a 1940s 1950s street scene of manhattan uh, hmm. or some other kind of like old timey town uh you when know, they used to the, dance in the streets where they used to dance in the streets and you know lights would come on and fred astaire was dancing around you know light poles and stuff sharks jets etc exactly and so i i'm 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 hoping one of those two is park four and we spend a little time there because i like completionism you know we if you go on delos's website or visit westworld.com i think is the website you know, you can click on all of the parks. Park 4 is the only one that it has like a glitchy screenshot on it and no description. I, I want an answer about Your spidey that. spidey sense you know. is going off, huh? My spidey sense is going <laughs> because we know from Park 5 is for military contract and we learned that. And we know what the other parks are. You have War World, Shogun World, West World, and the Raj. So it's just that Park 4. I got to know. I got to get in there. So Listeners, we have a super special event that's happening with Pod Clubhouse because we are getting to go to the 
season four premiere in New York City on June 21st. So we're going to actually see this episode before it airs on your TVs on HBO. But we promise we're going to come back and give you guys all of the dirt on everything that we see here. There's going to be an HBO after party. We will come back and tell you guys everything because we cannot wait to see the season four episode one and just be around all those people on person ball. I think it's going to be insane. I can't swear that going to an event like this won't change us. <laughs> Pod Clubhouse will never be the same. <laughs> Oh my God! It'll be amazing. So just so just from a release standpoint, actually, our episode one coverage will probably actually probably come out a couple days after you guys see the premiere on June twenty sixth because we want to make sure we have all that goodness wrapped up into that coverage for you. But then I think we'll be pretty much on day and date with episodes two, three, and four. Awesome. And a huge thank you to ATX for holding the trivia contest that Paul won. That actually got us the tickets to be able to go as HBO's guests over to the premiere. So super exciting fun. All right, guys, uh, we hope to see you in the Valley Beyond and uh, join us for the season four journey on Westworld, uh, the Valley Beyond uh, Westworld podcast. Uh, Once again, I am Mike. This is Caroline. And this is Paul. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Valley Beyond Westworld podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, if you could leave us a five-star review, that would be fantastic so we don't have to have a, a robot arm come and take your brain ball out. That would suck. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.